Welcome to Norwegian On Air. Actually, this is episode number nine. I'm Helena Løken, Head of Internal Communications. And I'm Stine Klund, Investor Relations Officer. And today we have prepared an episode we think will be very valuable for investors especially, but also for employees who want to understand the company better in the context of, of the financial markets. We've invited two of the most experienced equity analysts covering Norwegians. A Norwegian to get to know the company better from the self side point of view and, and basically to hear whether they believe that we are uh, as a company overvalued or undervalued. Mm. And in the coming weeks Norwegian uh, is going to release both traffic figures for September and Q3 results so maybe they could give us some insight into how they read these reports. And we are back with our two guests. Welcome uh, Preben Askovsen from Carnegie and Kenneth Sivertsen from Pareto. So you two are one of the two equity analysts that has followed Norwegian for the longest time and also opinion leaders in the stock. So maybe you could start with a brief introduction of yourself. All right, should I shoot first? Uh, Preben is my name. I've been working as an equity analyst since 1998 in Carnegie since um, 2005. Uh, covered uh, Norwegian since 2012, and prior to that I covered SAS uh, for many years, back in 2006 to 2009, and still sitting with my Excel sheets. Yeah, I've been working uh, as an equity analyst since 2007, and I've been following the airline industry since 2009, So, and now I've covered both uh, Norwegian and SAS, and um, yeah, we look at broadly the European space and also the global space in within the airline industry. So uh, it takes a lot of time and I use a lot of time in a spreadsheet and uh, discussing with the investors on this case. It tends to be quite volatile and stark opinions on the case. Yeah, it's definitely uh, an interesting stock to follow. But also for our colleagues, we'd like to understand a bit more on, you know, what is your target price uh, on Norwegian and what valuation methods do you use to, to get to that? We could start with you, Kenneth. I have um, rated a buy and a target 375 and, it, and on a valuation metric it's, um, it's fair to say that the earnings multiple is not quite useful in the short term so I tend to lean on my net asset valuation and um, I think that what the company has done over the past uh, 10 years is building a, a large company while, while the earnings has been suffering under the growth so uh, I think it's fair to see through that uh, what could the company be worth when, once the uh, growth pain uh, level off that's so I'm um, sticking with a buy and quite high target Very glad to hear yeah, and you have the same target price don't you Bremen? we have uh, I think exactly the same target mm-hmm. price uh, and, and, and sort of do the same thing as, as Kenneth try to look into 2020 try to see what uh, normalized earnings can be in Norwegian mm-hmm. when things are sort of coming down a bit and then adding a multiple to that and um, uh, right now my target price is also influenced by the fact that I think that our players out there interested in Norwegian and I think if there is an acquisition of Norwegian the current shareholders should get some of the synergies that would materialize between these two companies so I, I, I it's it's hard for m- at least for me to sort of support 375 on Norwegian on a standalone basis right now but if the unit costs continue to come down, things turn quite quickly in this company. You touched on some topics, but let's move a bit deeper into the case. And maybe you could uh, could give us some more bull and bear arguments for Norwegian. Uh, <laughs> as Kenneth started saying, it's, it's extremely volatile. Of course, you have very, very high gearing. 
you've gone through a very long period of aggressive growth. So it's been difficult for us on the outside to really understand the profitability in this company and where the margins will be. I think the, the bull argument right now is that we start to see the unit costs coming down. We can start to understand that some of the higher than expected cost relates to the growth and we can start to at least have some idea of where the margin will be. Mm. If that's correct, uh, we can also see that the company is defending its very high level of debt and there are you know, money left for the shareholders. Okay. That's the, the bull case. Yeah. And that was also your focus in the Q2 results update yes. uh, on the cost base. And Absolutely. Mm. No, I agree with Preben that it's uh, a leverage, uh, high leverage, both on the financial and operational. It's, um, so it's, um, that's why it's volatile. But I think also in the shorter term, you will see this fluctuation. But while the longer term, it's more important what you have invested in, and that's a fleet. The fleet provides a, a huge benefit on, on the, the cost side. It should at least do once the once some of the extraordinary cost disappears and um, and particularly on the fuel saving but also on the maintenance and you could keep the fleet flying more hours uh, into a certain extent and all this will contribute to that you should have a more uh, a competitive cost base that uh, uh, will yeah, provide you with the, the opportunity to, to offer uh, low ticket prices but still um, make a decent margin will leave some capital left for shareholders. Yeah. And you did, in one of your analysis, you referred to EasyJet's growth and show that margins tend to improve once capacity growth diminished. Yeah, you've seen that in several examples on, on, uh, on other airlines that have been ramping up that uh, when once a period when they grow in terms of seats or uh, establish of new routes, in particular the latter one, it comes on the expense of the of the ticket prices and the yield. So instead of taking a lot of marketing costs, you go in, you you make yourself a room with a lowering the ticket prices to attract demand, and then once this uh, load factor reaches a certain level and you is established in the market, and you are able to increase the ticket prices slightly to to improve um, margin again. So you saw it in, in EasyJet. It, have a quite high growth for a long period and once it take the, took the growth down to around 10% the margins start improving and then yeah, it's been a nice 7-8 years for them but uh, I think we'll see the same on Norwegian they will take growth gradually down and then the, then the margins should improve as I think people struggle to understand how much growth has been put into the market over the last few years, particularly on the longer side. This is a new market and they have to fight with the flag carriers, which is dropping at the prices quite um, substantially to keep them away. But uh, still they have, uh, Norwegian has been able to attract uh, some 7% market share uh, over uh, transatlantic flights. But, uh, and that has definitely come on the expense of the profitability, but I think once the growth now slows, I think for 1920 you will see lower growth uh, and then you will see profitability starting to increase. You mentioned um, the unit cost, uh, Preben, specifically, and a large part of that, if we look at the soaring fuel prices that we see at the moment, but you, you mentioned the scale advantages that you, you might see Norwegian having now as the growth moderates, but but how do you what what are the key ingredients you're looking at for the unit cost and what's your expectations there? I, I tend to uh, disregard the fuel cost when I look at the unit cost yep. because fuel is really nothing you can do that much about. We we know your fleet. We know that you typically spend twenty percent less than at least the average carrier out there. But but that's already sort of modeled in. 
So the only input we have in the in the model is the volatility in the fuel price. And that's what it is. And it's for everyone. So if there is any negative part for Norwegian, I would say that it seems like other players have a tendency to hedge further out. So you might have a short-term squeeze, but over time you're sort of put under the same pressure and that eventually leads to a higher yield. So fuel is basically, it, it will affect the demand if it gets too high and you can might have short-term squeezes, but over time everyone is under the same pressure. So, so when I look at unit cost, I tend to look at all the other parts. Um, and then of course, personnel is what's been really difficult to understand because you've hired in waves uh, and it's not always easy for us to see when the personnel cost increases compared to when you get the fleet. And then uh, technical and maintenance have also been very difficult um, because there has been changes in in how you book the cost. It, it seems to me at least that there is difference between the short haul and long haul, how you book the cost. So it's, it's really not a, a very steady pattern, which is always, always difficult for us on the outside. Mm. So, so then you're, you're sort of stuck with just taking the unit cost excluding fuel and look at the development. And, and for the past two years, it's been increasing. Now we start to see it decreasing. But there's so many inputs, you know, the currency for one thing is yeah. extremely hard. <laughs> and it's right, as you say, we have different maintenance deals for the short haul fleet and the long haul fleet and the maxes. And, mm. and another important uh, part of the cost is handling and care and compensation. And you cannot have focus on punctuality. So how do you think around that and how do you model that in? <laughs> on the model side, it's, it's extremely difficult, but it's, uh, to some extent, we, we, we tend to use our year-on-year models. We, we look at the pre- previous, um, the same period last year, and then we have some assumption of how it will develop. And, and to that extent, it's, um, the punctuality is uh, incorporated in what we look at. So, uh, But in the shorter term, I think what you see in so far in Q3, you see the punctuality have been in about uh, mid-70s. Uh, uh, still, it's better than most peers in 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 uh, in, uh, in Europe, uh, and it's to some extent, the the, the, the punctuality reflects that the, the European traffic uh, controls the situation. There are some strikes around, and and a quite crowded. Um, uh, airspace in, in Europe, but uh, some parts also reflect uh, that operationally it's not working uh, satisfactorily, uh, not working to a, to a great extent. Hopefully we'll, with lower growth you will improve that one and then get it up, and then with the improved op- punctuality I think the cost should come down, because it's quite expensive to have what you have now with 25% of all the flights is, is basically delayed more than 15 minutes, so that's quite expensive, So, but that's included to our numbers from 17 and also but it for me it showed that yeah, the cost will be still be held back compared to what i think the potential is uh, once the operational uh, improves you mentioned that you looked at at peace uh, but to what extent do you follow the industry and peace overall apart from the companies that you cover you, you need to look into the big ones mm. you need to read the quarterly reports you need to follow the uh, presentations they held uh, but you don't at least I don't make very specific models I don't have a model on Air France like I have on Norwegian but I, I, I do have a short Excel spreadsheet with sort of the headline numbers and what they say on traffic and what they say on yields and sort of just try to get this big picture 
and you get a very good big big picture if you have Ryanair, EasyJet, British Airways and Lufthansa you basically have the view on how Europe is developing. So I mean we are um, a company or an industry which is also you know quite highly portrayed in the media as well what do you see as spam and, and what are substantial things that you follow? Well, statements from uh, other CEOs I don't uh, pay to account. <laughs> We'd love to hear that. <laughs> no it's, uh, it's a lot of noise out there but um, I think some is uh, it's an industry that the, in the interest is high and, uh, and opinion is wide so <laughs> a lot of different opinions. I'd I would say over time you sort of see where the where you have good sources and where you don't have good sources. Uh, the same with journalists. Some are very good, some are very bad. So you know how who, who to listen to and who not to listen to. The, the big organizations obviously knows what they're doing. Uh, and then there are some people just extremely interested in airplanes and they have a lot of information and some of them is uh, actually pretty good to follow mm. some are not <laughs> so I, I, I mean it, it's experience you just have to um, listen to them over, over a few months and quarters and then you see that this is actually somebody with with good information but the most important uh, updates from the company is the traffic figures and the quarterly presentation. So yes. how do you, how do you read that? How what's what do you focus on when this is released, and how do you use the traffic stats to model the quarterly um, numbers? The traffic stats is quite. It gives you a glimpse of the one part of the of the PNL, the, the top line, the revenue. You get a passenger revenue, uh, so that's <laughs> it. Gives you quite good visibility on the short term, and then you could. Look at the. I think the load factor is perhaps the most important number to to look at. To how is the product being taken at at a certain price? Is uh, the re relationship between price and and the load is is important. So, but that's the, just the short term. Uh, and then you go into the, the quarterly report is definitely as we mentioned sometimes it's a leveraged company so how you uh, develop and how you deliver on, on the quarterly results are, are important it's the most important is how you deliver compared to expectations out there and then you if it's a deviation uh, where is the deviation is it positive or negative and, and so it's um, it's basically our foundation for what we then build a model on, on try to predict the future and definitely predicting the future in within the airline industry is not easy so <laughs> it's been more scenario basically how, how much uh, space do you have compared to some uh, crucial metrics that's mm. important lastly could you give us some insight into the dialogue that you have with byside what are the topics that you discuss the most and what are the questions from byside <laughs> i think uh, byside tends to change their topic every week, especially in Norwegian. Mm. Uh, but joke to to decide. There is no clear answer on that. You know, one one month there is a lot of focus on the yield. Uh, there is a question about the yield. Is it going in the right direction? There are rumors that there are price reductions out there. How will this affect the yield? And then we get a few months with yield being pretty stable that is not in the attention anymore acquisition i think for the past six months that's been mainly the topic in in discussions and of course unit costs uh unit costs did not come on the uh, agenda until 
late 2016 and suddenly throughout 2017 that was the only thing people was focusing on mm. suddenly nobody cared about yield in 15 and 16 it was all about yield so this tend to change and more so in the airline industry than in any other industry i follow because there are so extremely variations and volatilities mm. you know you have an industry with basically 95 percent fixed costs and then you're extremely dependent on your top line. Mostly the discussions goes on, on how revenue develops. And then, of course, you have fuel, you have currency, but that's observed in the market the whole time. But of course, now with Norwegian, I, w I would say in, in, in Europe in general, consolidation is, is very high on the agenda because everyone seems to understand that something has to be done with the European airline industry. It's too fragmented. And we've seen the successes in, in the US for the past five years, where they've gone through this consolidation process, and now you have a much more healthy business. Mm -hmm. Just a few big ones. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and at least my prediction is that the same thing will happen in Europe over the next five to ten years. Mm -hmm. And that's, of course, of, of, of buy-side investors' interest. And that's probably something that's easier to discuss with you, especially the acquisition, than with the company that now that the company is quite quiet on that. Yes, mm. I would think so. It's yeah. difficult, at least for management, to, mm. to give any specific details on this. And, mm. and, and frankly, they shouldn't. Mm. That's on the board level. And uh, management must be uh, focused on running the business as good as they can. Yeah. Yeah, until now, I hope, uh, at least going forward, I hope that the Norwegian stay as an independent airline. So I think it's a great company. So yeah, we'll mm. definitely miss it with it been acquired or something but uh, I think as probably mentioned a lot of discussion is uh, on the consolidation part that's for sure thank you so much for joining us in the studio thank you thank you it's been a pleasure that was it for uh, today's episode and we'd like to underscore that the views of the equity analyst is not the view of the company mm, just a small disclaimer we would also like to remind our listeners to send in post topics and uh, feedback to investor.relations at norwegian.com. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.